Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often, they pushed themselves out of their comfort zone and took risks. We want to know about that decision point, why did they make that decision, and most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abracci Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for Courage, Humility, Accuracy, Resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're honored to have Jennifer Turner as our very special guest. Jennifer is the President and Chief Executive Officer for Tennessee Performing Arts Center, a Nashville-based nonprofit arts organization dedicated to excellence in the performing arts and arts education. Since 1980, TPAC has welcomed more than 12 million audience members and served more than 1.8 million students, teachers, and adults with performances, teacher resources, professional development, classroom residencies, and enrichment programs. Formerly, Jennifer served as Executive Vice President and Managing Director for Segerstrom Center for the Arts, an acclaimed arts institution in Southern California, where she built a world-class leadership team, led innovative community initiatives, and spearheaded multi-million dollar capital development projects, including the successful completion of the 56,000 square foot Julianne and George Argyros Plaza. With more than 20 years of experience in nonprofit arts. Jennifer previously was the Chief Operating Officer for the National Historic Landmark Auditorium Theater in Chicago and held roles with Michigan Opera Theater, Shakespeare Theater Company, and Harper College. She's a graduate of Michigan State University and holds a graduate degree from Roosevelt University in Public Administration, Nonprofit Management. Welcome, Jennifer. We're so glad to have you on our podcast. And we always like to start by asking what show podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Hello. It's wonderful to be here. I'm very happy to be with you today. We have been in the arts community doing a lot of deep diving into the areas of equity, inclusion, diversity, and access. So the two um, books that I'm currently reading are by Jennifer Brown. One is called How to Be an Inclusive Leader, and the other one is Inclusion. And it's really giving me a lot of tools to use with my organization on how we can create um, a great culture in our organization and how you know diversity really does benefit the workplace. So these are the two things that I'm really inspired by at the moment. Uh, thank you, Jen, and and uh, thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Uh, we heard that bio. Jen is all in the theater and performing arts and runs a theater. And so, hmm, let's see what is closed down right now. Oh, yeah, that's right. Theaters. So uh, I'll put a plug in that if anyone has some uh, extra donations, Jennifer doesn't even know I'm doing this. It was, I, this was not planned. But 
If you would like, connect with Jennifer, donate to the arts, uh, donate to your local theater. If you want to donate to, to Jennifer's uh, TPAC would be lovely. They need it. They're doing wonderful things. And we're all looking forward to when it's back open and we can enjoy as a community, the wonderful uh, theater, dance, opera, arts. So thank you, Jennifer, what you're going through and taking time out of your schedule. I know you have a lot going on. So thank you so much. Uh, the the question though that I have for you around the inclusive leader and one of the reasons that we just love having you as a as a guest is because you are always pushing yourself and and taking risks and taking challenges and so what from the books you've read so far on being an inclusive leader what are some of the favorite tools or the insights that you had from these books you went I need to share this with with people what were some of the top top aha moments. Well, I, I think, you know, for what has really been key to me, and especially after, you know, the, you know, the response of our country over um, the joy, George Floyd murder and all of the ensuing dialogue that we've been having about this, about this topic is, is really, it's not just about a statement. It goes deeper than a statement. It's about creating the culture and it's about supporting people in your organization to be to thrive. I mean, you can't just make the diverse hire. You have to have an organization that supports diversity in the workplace. It makes people feel included and it really sets them up for professional development and gives them the tools that they need to thrive. So it's so much deeper than a statement or a hire. It really goes down to how you're writing your job descriptions. How, you know, do you have an outlet for people to voice concerns with the organization? How are you communicating with people in the organization? Um, you know, what is your um, outlet for people if they have an issue or a problem? So it just, you know, really taking charge and going back to basics. It's almost like you're peeling away everything in your organization and really looking and, and starting from scratch because it's really important to get this right. I now I think listeners can understand why we're so excited to have you on the podcast and your leadership and the fact that you get to run this organization. We need more people, uh, leaders like you, because exactly what you said, it's not just a statement. It's not just, oh, we believe in it. You really do have to almost take it down to the studs and realize what have we done that doesn't help situation and help being inclusive. And many organizations didn't start out with nefarious means, but the system was created and, and those things happened. And so the fact that you were looking at everything and peeling everything away and saying, how do our job descriptions, do we have uh, avenues for people to talk and, and give feedback is really great because that's the really hard work that people have to do in order. So we're not in this place in another year or two years or five years down the road. So thank you, Jennifer. Absolutely. I, you know, we're going to have a stronger organization because of it. It's yes. not only the right thing to do, but it's yes. the smart business decision. Exactly. One of my favorite research. And you know, I, sometimes I wish I had a great detailed mind that I could remember everyone's name who and attribute them to the research, but I don't. And so I just remember the big picture of it. But I remember the research of if you have a 
diverse group, if you manage it well, it will outperform. So to your point, Jen, around it's just a good business decision. Even if you don't believe it's the right thing to do, it's a good business decision to do it because you will outperform your peers. However, if that diversity is not managed well and you create more strife and do, and you have a a bad culture, it actually will perform worse than a homogeneous culture. So you will outperform if you manage it well. So thank you for that. All right. The bigger question, because we could talk about this the whole time. The bigger question is, what is the uh, the decision that you made in your life that changed the trajectory of your life? And what are those charge qualities that you used to help you make that decision? Well, I look back over my career and I have moved around quite a bit. And I think it was the first move that I made in the arts that really changed the trajectory for me. I was... Uh, I was given the opportunity to work at uh, Michigan Opera Theater. Um, I had a wonderful mentor who, you know, really believed in me and gave me opportunity. And I worked really hard and I raised my hand every time there was something new to do because I wasn't trained in this field through school. I Everything I learned was on the job. And I was fortunate enough through departures at the organization and and I'll say a lot of hard work to advance. And I was in a, a pretty advanced role and I felt a little over my head at times. And I realized that for to prove to myself that I could do this work, that there was other uh, skills and things that I needed to be successful. So I made the decision to move out of state for the first time, well, the first time professionally, and take a job um, out in uh, the suburbs of Chicago. And I was working with um, Harper College to build a performing arts center. And for me, it was a huge change from the fast-paced professional uh, theater that we had, you know, had been running in, in Detroit. But it was also a great opportunity for me to to really learn of new skills and to set up operations and prove myself. Um, sometimes when you advance within an organization, it it's hard to feel like you're you know you're respected sometimes at the same level as when you sort of come into an organization in a new role. And, and that to me was, um, it was scary. It was scary to take, you know, I had a great, um, boss. I had great coworkers. I loved the organization. So I was scared to move and I could have been really comfortable there, but I knew that I would learn more if I left. So I made the decision to leave and take the role And then I made decisions to move again to Washington, D.C. and to California. But but every time I really had to push myself and say, this this role that I'm in could be very comfortable, but I need to learn more and I need to do more. And I'm never going to advance my career in the way that's important to me unless I go out and gain this experience. And I'm the only one that can do that. So I would say that that was the moment that I realized this is how I'm going to build my career. And I need to have the courage to 
go out and and move across the country. I need to have the humility to accept that I don't know everything and that I need to learn it and I need to have a role that allows me that hands-on knowledge to learn it. I I thank you for sharing that. I think when you talked about it was scary to take the risk because I think so many people Jen ha- might have that I want to do it. So talk to me about it was scary, but you still overcame it. And what what was that? You you mentioned because you wanted to push yourself and and you wanted that about your career. But how did you get through the real scary parts of like, no, I'm comfortable? How do you shake yourself out of that comfort? Because I think so many people get stuck in that comfort. How did you do it? They do. And and I think that you have to be really honest with yourself when mm-hmm. you're not challenged, when mm-hmm. you're not you know, when you feel like you've learned what you can learn from that experience or that situation. And, you know, so many, we, we always talk about the the gender disparity when people apply for jobs that, you know, men apply for a job that have, you know, they can, they can do 30% of what's on the exactly. job description. And exactly. you, know, you have to do 100%. Yep. So it's scary to put yourself out there and say, I don't know everything that's required of this job, but I know that I have the skills to to master it, but I'm not going to know it right away. And that's scary. I mean, that to me was the frightening piece. You know, you almost felt like you were, um, you know, fraudulent in some way, Mm -hmm. you know, going into this role, but you have to just kind of keep telling yourself that, no, it's it's normal to grow into it. It's normal to, to learn and to develop and, and to take opportunities to raise your hand and say, I want to learn how to do this. And, and really, you know, passing that down to your employees, you know, asking your employees what they want to learn. And so you're paying that forward. Uh, I've worked with a lot of people that felt that keeping knowledge to themselves was power. Mm -hmm. And that keeping knowledge to themselves made them more secure in their roles. So changing that mindset at an organization, I've always been very focused on on when I'm at an organization to try to, um, you know, especially when I've had the ability to do so is to influence the culture to say, no, we are transparent and we are open and we are, you know, we believe in professional development. We believe in, um, you know, sharing knowledge. And, and those are really important things to me because I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. I want to go back because I think it's so important. I know we have, we have male listeners, we have female listeners, but for the female listeners to hear you that, that first of all, that research again, who knows who did it? Sorry, I'm so bad, but you're right. It's, it's very low for, for men. When they look at the job description, I thought it was around 60% or 70%. They'll say, I hit that. That's good. I got that part. You know, that's fine. I don't need a hundred percent. And women will look at it and say a hundred percent. And I think for you, you just said, and I could almost feel fraudulent, but I still did it. And so for other women to hear that, I think is really important to hear your story because you did it, even though you might've felt that, Oh, I don't know. And I'm too scared, but you still did it. And look at how you have prospered. And I think that's just a really important nugget that I want people to hear one more time. And so, but I love that you also talked about the humility and you don't know everything. And so to have that balance and that tension, like, oh, I, I need to know it. 
and, and I have to because I did that job. Um, but I have this humility and that I don't know it and that you've encouraged so many people in your organization to keep learning and pushing. So Jen, would you were you always like that? Even as a kid, were you pushing yourself or did you have this moment where you really had to overcome something and and you wanted to to be like this? Or what were you let, let's take it back all the way to little Jennifer Turner. How how how'd you what were you like? I I would say that I was curious and okay. independent. So yeah. I, you know, love to read. And so I I was a you know, voracious reader at a very, very young age. And I also, you know, I've been described as, you know, stubborn and independent by my family. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, I always wanted to figure things out. And I wanted to, to learn and I wanted to discover things. And so I think the curiosity is really important. I mean, once you, that I think is what I would fear the most is losing my curiosity uh, out of anything, because that would, I think, fundamentally change who I was. Mm. So the, to me, you know, always wanting to learn about different things or try things or experience you know, it was definitely something that I had to, you know, I, it was always there, but to develop it, you really have to keep pushing yourselves into uncomfortable situations. And I would say, you know, even changing jobs and moving around, you're not just starting a new career or, I mean, a new role, which Mm -hmm. can be stressful enough, you know, meeting new coworkers and, and, you know, getting and learning a whole new organization and, and just even learning, you know, how things work and, you know, where you get the copy paper from and where, you know, <laughs> how the coffee works, you know, all those like yep. little things. But you're also, when you, you know, move across the country, you're moving your life, you're moving your, you know, your friend network, you're moving either closer to or further away from your family, you're, you know, it's, it's, huge change on so many levels. So I I think my independence and my curiosity propelled me forward, but it doesn't mean that it made it easy. It's still hard. It's still hard. Thank you. And I would say for all those who have been called stubborn and independent, it helps you in the future. It might not help you as a 12 year old, but it helps you in the future. (laughs) So thank you. And I, I, we've talked before, we've had a few people talk about moves on this podcast and moving. And I think it's so, it is a way to shake you out of everything. Cause like you said, Jen, it's where's the copy paper? Uh, where's the grocery store? Everything you have to relearn. And it puts you in a situation that you do have to push yourself and push through that uncomfortableness. And once you do the first one, and I think that's really interesting that you said it was the first move that changed the trajectory. Because once you do it the first time, then you're like, I mean, it's going to be a hard move. And you moved from Southern California to Nashville, but you knew you could do it already because you did it the first time when you moved to the suburbs of Chicago. Sure. And, Mm -hmm. and that's that the grocery store is a good point. I, I had, um, I I had a conversation with a colleague when I got to uh, Nashville about rye bread. I I love rye bread. And I couldn't find it at the grocery store. And, you know, a week or so later, she came in and gave me a loaf of rye bread. And the kindness 
and the generosity just really touched me. You know, my colleagues were really focused on making me feel welcome, but also, you know, making sure that it, it was a sign of support. A loaf of bread was a sign of support to me. And, and I was really grateful for that moment. Oh, and I think it also illustrates how the little things mean so much. So in, in any relationship, the little things mean so much. But as you're running your organization, especially during these times, showing people that you care and it doesn't take, it's not giving them a giant bonus. Sometimes it's not doing those things. Um, it's a loaf of bread. It's, and you remembered that story that that shows that this person cares about you. And that's really critical, especially in these times to show how I'm thinking of you and how I care about you. So thank you for that. What? I, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Jennifer. Oh, I just wanted to say, I do think that more than ever, this is the time for, for empathy and leadership. Yes. It really is so essential right now. I mean, our teams are dealing with things that we cannot even imagine. I mean, children at home, you know, dealing with family members or, or spouses that possibly have been laid off or their jobs have been affected by the pandemic illness. I've had colleagues that have gone through COVID. It's, it's really, it, it's those times. We always have to remember that our teams have lives outside of their roles with us, which is hard sometimes, especially when you're in a intense, you know, organization that, you know, we operate 24 seven. Um, but now is the time that you have to take a breath and realize that people are dealing with things that you have absolutely no understanding of, of their personal circumstances. And you have to listen and be there and, and really care about what's going on in their lives. And, and I'm reminding myself of that every single day when I see how they are committing themselves to getting our organization through this. Um, but I am committed to them and making sure they personally get through this as well. So, so well, well said. And, and I, I'm hoping my hope is I know that remote work will be here to stay. That one's going to be kind of hard to shake people out of that re remote work for many, but that empathy as leadership, we have talked about it for so many years, how so important it is. And I really hope that one sticks more too in 2021 and beyond that by you, you, you mentioned, Jennifer, you just, you don't know what's going on in their lives. Well, now we kind of have a little bit of insight because your life and work are all in the same location for many people. And so you do get to hear, oh, you have dogs. Oh, you have a kid. Oh, you like, you didn't know sometimes these things. And now you see it, you see their room, you see their world. We end up sharing so much of ourselves now. And so I hope that many leaders will continue with understanding, understanding what is going on, or at least knowing that I don't understand what's going on and let me listen to you and let me see what you need and let me ask you what you need and that caring and that empathy. And so I can see why many people would want to work for you, Jennifer. Um, and because you are an empathic leader who also is not a pushover and you want to learn and you want to grow and you want to work hard. And so that would be on your team. I would be, I would love to be on your team, Jennifer. So what you're welcome. It's just the, the love fest right now, Jennifer, with you. Um, what, what are some of the action items from what you've gone through that you could tell our listeners to, hey, these are the top kind of maybe two or three things that, that would help you that have helped, um, that have helped you through your life, Jennifer? 
I would say that self-awareness has really been, I think, an important tool for me. I am very um, aware of the things that I don't do well. I try to, um, you know, not congratulate myself, but at least be supportive of myself of the things that I that I probably am stronger on. But I, you know, I recognize where my weaknesses are. I try to hire for those weaknesses. So I try to surround myself with a team that is balanced, where we can all contribute and and really, you know, utilize the best of our strengths to to benefit the whole of the team. So self awareness for me, I think, is one of um, the most important things that I have felt has guided my my career. Um, and you and, and Kelly have had some wonderful tools like the caliper and others that can really help you pinpoint and point those things out. Um, and I think when I went through that caliper exercise with you, I realized that because you score low on something, maybe it's not a weakness, but it's something you should accept about yourself. And then you can develop tools to be stronger in those areas. So um, for me, I like to like, you know, add those those things in, but also, you know, surround myself with people that are much smarter than I am about different aspects of our business and trust them to do their jobs. Um, that is one thing that for me is, you know, trusting your team, trusting your employees, recognizing their talent, celebrating their talent. Um, those are all things that I think are really important to a high functioning team. I thank you for the caliper shout out. I, you know, I was typing amen, preach on self-awareness. Um, I have a feeling that Kelly doesn't agree with any of the things you just said though. You know, Kelly does, isn't about self-awareness or knowing your weakness and she doesn't like to surround herself, uh, with smart people and she trusts no one. So Kelly, I mean, if you would like to have the flip side of what Jennifer just said, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't argue for the flip side because I agree with everything that Jennifer said. In fact, as you were talking about your natural curiosity, I wrote self-awareness because you are someone who is incredibly self-aware. And then your demonstration of I hire to find people that are opposite of me or have strengths in areas where perhaps that may be an opportunity for myself so that you are creating that balanced, well-rounded team We've seen your team in action when we have the opportunity to work with you um, in Southern California, Jennifer. And it was, you know, you're a wonderful leader. You have so much great insight and people who work with you have really um, lasting relationships with you. And, and you are someone who will be a memorable, influential leader probably for the rest of their lives because you've been able to show them what being an empathic leader looks like, being... Um, someone who truly cares about making sure that person has um, and receives feedback, whether that's feedback that's constructive or positive, you still make sure that person has what they need to be successful. Um, so it's it's been great listening to your insights and, and specifically around, you know, having the courage to pick up and move and learn something different, um, even though you you and being fueled by that curiosity, that natural curiosity you've had that has guided you and propelled you to the level of success that you enjoy today. So the courage, the humility to accept the fact that you don't know everything, you won't know everything. And it's important to surround yourself with talented people who can help you um, be successful. So it's been a true pleasure to 
to hear you speak today and to hear your insights and wisdom. Um, it's, it's been a true pleasure, Jennifer. Anything else that you'd like to share that you find that our listeners would, would um, embrace before we, before we wrap up? Well, thank you, Kelly. That was really sweet. If I listened to you, I would think that I had no weaknesses, but believe me, I know all of them all too well. Um, and I think maybe be generous with yourself. Um, I I will need to take my own advice on this. I can give it to others better than I can take it for myself, but give yourself some, allow yourself some grace and you know, give yourself some self-care. It, this is an extremely hard time and the responsibility and the, and the choices and decisions that we're all facing are incredibly difficult, especially for those who the pandemic is going to continue to impact us for quite some time. You know, you, you have to, you know, forgive yourself, allow yourself to make some mistakes and, and just do the best you can every single day. And that is all that anyone can ask from you right now. Love it, Jennifer. And when we started, before we started recording, we talked about the importance of self-care. So um, my wish for you, Jennifer, is that you do, uh, you are able to enjoy some self-care, even if it's a small, for a small bit of time that you and all of our listeners at some point will be able to take some time for yourself, do something that's meaningful for you, um, that is just for you. So even if it's just for five minutes, it was time that you spent focusing 100% on what you needed in that moment. So, um, and since this is the, the kickoff podcast of 2021, we, w- we, w- we wish you all a happy, healthy, um, and what I hope will be for many of us, a more prosperous 2021 than maybe a 2020 look like. So again, continued success to you, Jennifer, and to all of our listeners. We wish you nothing but the best. And if you would like to connect with Jennifer, we highly recommend that you do so. You can connect with her on LinkedIn at Jennifer C. Turner, and I will include all of her contact information along with the um, Tennessee Performing Arts Center um, in uh, the show notes as well. So you'll be able to access all of her information there. Thank you, Jennifer, again, for joining our podcast and for sharing your story. We're so honored to have had you today. Thank you, Kelly and Carrie. It was wonderful to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abracci Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.